0: You can't actually eat it for two straight days. (laughs) It's a plan ahead cake, isn't it, really?
1: (laughs) Hi, everyone. It's Helen here again, and welcome to Cooking Our Books. Uh, I'm back once again with my gorgeous sister, Pam. Hi. We're tackling another wonderful recipe from our mum's homemade recipe books. So, happy autumn, Pam.
0: Happy autumn, Helen. We've finally <laughs> broken out of summer. The recipe today is a sherried sultana cake. And this is a great recipe, I think, to cook in a bit of the cooler climate.
1: It is, absolutely. And look, I mean, you really can't go wrong with a, a wonderful fruit cake. As you know, I am quite the fruit cake maker, particularly around Christmas time. I do love my, uh, my Christmas cakes. This one was a great one, not as rich and dense as a, as a Christmas cake, but certainly a great recipe for like a morning tea or something like that. But a little bit of planning needed.
0: A little bit. A bit of an interesting how-to here, set of instructions with a few twists and turns that got me curious. But, yeah, you're right. Sometimes fruitcake can really put people off. It looks dense, it tastes dense, it's super sweet, this has all the sweetness of a fruit cake, but a real lightness as well of a bit of a vanilla cake at the same time. So I really like the balance, and it was a lovely one to make as we head into autumn.
1: Yes, Sherry. Oh, just the sound of alcohol into dried fruit. You just can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so true. This episode, we're making a, a sherryed sultana cake, which really went down well. Uh, and and I, I think the same for you, Pam. But for me, it was a winner at work. Everyone had, you know, two, three pieces of it at work. <laughs> to make it, though, you need to do a little bit of planning ahead. And uh, because coming back to my point of alcohol and dried fruit, you need to let that thing stew well and truly. This recipe
0: is pulled from book eight, and it's a curious one because it's pretty straightforward on the page. Uh, It's from a magazine, but there's no pictures, and it doesn't really stand out that much. You went looking through the cookbooks to spot the next recipes, and this one stood out for you. How did you choose it? Because I know that you're
1: now uh, plant-based eating. A lot of the recipes are not plant-based recipes and uh, very heavy on meat and animal products. So when I came across this recipe, looking at the ingredients, a basic vanilla cake, flour, eggs, sugar and butter, those core staples are now very easily replaced by plant-based substitutes. So I looked at the cake and I thought, well, this one would be perfect for you, easily adaptable to plant-based alternative products. On the recipe page, the, the recipe itself didn't jump out, as you said, because it doesn't have a photo at all or anything like that, but it was primarily the ingredients. When I was getting myself prepared to actually make it, I had the the recipe book open on the bench and I was getting all the ingredients out. I was having a look at the other recipes on that particular page. It's, It's a very unassuming page of recipes, nothing untoward. However, there was a little image that mum had cut out of a magazine that's pasted near this particular recipe and the little images of some barges on the River Avon in the UK. And when you and I were in the UK last year, remember that day that we actually uh, stopped by a lock uh, or a series of locks and had a little picnic lunch on the side of some beautiful locks and we were watching people on barges working their way through the locks and it was just a glorious day and we're having a little picnic lunch and there was a couple of locals walking their dog nearby and it was just the most tranquil ideal setting it was just beautiful so the barges the little picture and it's a very small picture of the barges jumped out at me and then something caught my eye, and <laughs> with my old eyesight, I had to take my glasses off, even though they are multifocal glasses. I still couldn't see it. That's how small the picture is. Something caught my eye, and I realized that this picture of these two gorgeous little barges on the River Avon had names on them. And the names of the barges are Jean and Beverly. And ironically, our mum's name is Beverly. And Jean was one of her most treasured cousins. When I first saw the picture, I thought, I wonder why Mum posted a picture of two barges in the magazine, you know, from she's cut out from a magazine. Lo and behold, it's the names of the barges, the Beverly and the Jean. And I just thought that was really lovely. That was a a little nod to her, her really treasured cousin, Jean. And uh, I thought, there you go. It's just those those little uh, nuggets that you find throughout these cookbooks that make them so unique and personalised. Pam, the ingredients for the recipe, all very standard vanilla butter cake uh, ingredients, your butter, your sugar your eggs, your flour, your milk. But with this one, we had the added ingredients of spices, sultanas that were cooked in the sherry, and then a bit of extra sherry. And there was some chopped pecan nuts that um, the recipe called uh, for those to be added into. The recipe actually mentioned folding cherries in with the nuts, but it doesn't have cherries listed in
0: the ingredients list. Yeah, I spotted that. So the theory is, is it a typo? Should it say (laughs) S-H-E-R-R-Y? But the recipe does mention folding the cherries and we were looking at the ingredients list, and there's no reference to cherries. So funny one. Could be a bit of an editorial mistake there. But uh, in any case, I ignored the cherries (laughs) and kept to the sherry understanding of the recipe but didn't even do that because i did swap out the sherry correct helen really easy to to do a vegan swap out on this one and in order to make the thing plant-based i used vegan butter or margarine i used the vegan egg replacer and some soy milk instead of cow's milk And most controversially, for the sherried sultana cake, I did not use sherry. And <laughs> <laughs> before you yell at me.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to yell at you, trust me. I'm not going to yell at you. <laughs> uh,
0: well, I, I, I realised I didn't actually buy the sherry. I'd forgotten to buy it. But then I did a lovely Google search. What can you replace sherry with? And mm. you can use dry vermouth. So lo and behold, I had a full bottle of dry vermouth in my bar. And so I did cook uh, the sultanas in dry vermouth. Worked really well. Didn't take anything away from the cake. So that was it. Any changes on your end?
1: Yeah, I did, purely because uh, I couldn't be bothered going to the supermarket and buying extra ingredients. So I just, <laughs> no, just all don't I say. Had. <laughs> <laughs> I just use what I had. So I didn't actually add any pecans into the cake. I left the pecans out, not because I don't like them. I just didn't have any. I just recently used up my batch of pecans. I, I make a lovely keto toasted granola. But I did find I had a bag of dried cherries. So when the recipe calls for the sherry and the sultanas to be low and slow boiled so that the sultanas plump up with all that gorgeous sherry, or vermouth in your case, I threw the dried cherries in at that stage as well. So I had sultanas and cherries stewing up in the sherry. And, of course, I had sherry in the cupboard anyway from the Christmas cake, so that worked out well. But it's interesting you say swap-outs as well. You use vermouth. I was just thinking I could have used whiskey. Can you imagine? Or... I've got a great friend in Sydney who distills his own apple pie liqueur. I'm just thinking the apple pie liqueur would have gone in there nicely as well.
0: Both really interesting ideas there. Whiskey would have given it a bit of a smoky flavour and really beautiful depth for the fruit. And you're right, you can use whiskey and other liqueurs in, in fruitcakes, can't you? And yeah, I guess anything yeah. you can use in a fruitcake, that's a great idea. Yeah. might even be more a little bit more sweet than the use of a sherry or a a vermouth in my case. But, yeah, that's... that's, Yeah.
1: mm. I've got some lovely flavoured whiskies, as you well know. I've got the apple whisky, vanilla, rye. I've now got peach whisky. How good is that? (laughs) So, yeah, um, and maple whisky. So, yeah, I've got some lovely flavours. I think they would bring out some beautiful texture and taste in the cake next time
0: the recipe mentions to add in snipped sultanas. And I asked you this at the time because I'd never really heard of that term. Now, snipped usually means cut up. And that was a question I had, but I think we both decided not to cut them up because it would have interfered with the absorption of the alcohol, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've I've not heard the term snipped
1: sultanas. I think when you asked me about it, Uh, immediately I went to raisins right now raisins are a different type of dried fruit dried grape I should say and raisins tend to be a lot larger than your sultana grape Mm. and so I can understand snipping raisins even just cutting raisins in half if you know that you're going to be using them to soak up liquid but sultanas are too small and Quite honestly, I just couldn't be bothered cutting up a sultana. That was just ridiculous in my book. <laughs> yeah. I even Googled it. I think you did too. Mm-hmm. And nothing came up for me around snipping sultanas. So I'm not too sure where that came from. But, yeah, look, no, nah, couldn't be bothered.
0: I found a, one reference to snip sultanas in a recipe. So I figured... It probably did mean to chop them up, but they're so unnecessary, like you said. They're too small, and it would have...
1: For American listeners, I know Americans refer to sultanas as raisins, but um, they're actually a totally different type of grape. Uh, You've got your raisin grapes, and you've got your sultana grapes, and then you've got your little currant grapes. But raisins tend to be twice the size of a sultana. When I got the ingredients together, again, the first thing you do is you, you put it on a low and slow boil, the dried fruit. In my case, it was the sultanas and the dried uh, cherries and the alcohol together over a low flame. The basic cake base, the more you can cream the butter and the sugar and then really beat in each egg really well, the lighter the cake base will be. I just whack that in the KitchenAid. So you make the basic cake base up after having the dried fruit soaking up all the alcohol and cooling. You then add that into the basic uh, cake batter. It calls to pop it into a tin and into a low oven, 160 for about three hours which I thought was a really long time. Ultimately, mine was only in there for an hour and 40. In hindsight, it could have gone for maybe another 10 minutes, but really not much longer than that. And when I was um, measuring my ingredients, whilst I know that the basic cake base ingredients need to be measured fairly accurately, (laughs) that's not the case case of the cher- sherry so <laughs> when I put the sherry in the saucepan with the tri-fruit I, I was very liberal in my dosage. So when the cake comes out of the oven the recipe calls for another dashing of sherry to be put over the top of the cake and while it's still hot so the cake soaks that sherry in. Again I didn't measure this I think I ended up with half a bottle of sherry in the cake in total <laughs> which I couldn't tell the difference <laughs> mm. but I did have a few uh, a few work colleagues going how much alcohol is in this <laughs> not enough
0: and what about you? Uh, I actually did measure the, sh- the alcohol because I was cooking it for my work colleagues. So I guess I was a little bit concerned about uh, just making sure the taste balanced right. Uh, look, I don't think it matters regardless, right? When I boiled it in the vermouth, yeah, it does ask you to boil it for 10 to 15 minutes or until the liquid absorbs. And it really took much, much longer for the liquid mm. to absorb, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing because by the time I finished, you know, the... The vermouth, which starts out as this it's kind of pale green colour, it turned into this beautiful, rich amber as it had taken on all of the flavour of the sultanas yeah. and they just turn into these beautiful plump juicy morsels from going from a very dry piece of fruit. So I can see the, the value in boiling it in alcohol because yeah. you end up with such a juicy fruit at the end of that process. I think the recipe construction itself is pretty straightforward. The cornflour, the addition of cornflour here gives that bit of Lightness to the dough, and as I've talked about before, the vegan egg replacer it works really well. You know, it makes the dough really, really rise, but it does produce a bit of an extra crumbly texture, which is not necessarily bad. It does mean you have to pick all those crumbles off the plate as you're eating it. Look,
1: nothing like wetting your finger and dip. it's <laughs> so true.
0: You could see everybody. You know, I, I yeah. serve this Ooh, at my a
1: crumb. Oh, there's a crumb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I
0: serve this cake at my team meeting, and by the end of it, we're all picking in the little crumbs off the bottom of the plate (laughs) because the thing is so crumbly. I used slightly less sugar, you know, worked perfectly and kind of reminded me of... um I remember there was someone somewhere, I've I've read this, that they could say that you could pretty much take any recipe and halve the sugar amount in it yeah, and it will yeah. still be fine because yeah. we have such a sweet tooth out there, mm. especially in commercial recipes. And, yeah, you're totally right, the low and slow cooking here, I was ready for a long-haul three-hour job. Mine was absolutely done and dusted in two. So, yeah, yeah and as soon as that cake top starts to look really brown you want to pull that thing out um, mm. and it was perfectly cooked so maybe that was a bit of a another mistake in the recipe there because maybe. certainly not a three hour job at all. But then
1: again modern ovens are highly efficient as compared to um, ovens from 20-30 years ago you know the added features in modern ovens now also impact on times of cooking and, and temperatures.
0: Interesting theory. Yeah, this is a recipe, I think it's from maybe the 1980s. What do you think? Um, Could be a bit earlier?
1: No, I reckon maybe early 80s. I mm. think you're right. Early 80s it'd be. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. maybe you're right. Maybe it's our super efficient Gosh. ovens that are causing it to be a bit of a quicker job.
1: Early 80s was 40 years ago. I'm just <laughs> putting that it's a long time ago now yeah that that just sounds like like the early 80s yeah yeah that was like yesterday no it was 40
0: years ago what intrigued me about this recipe was the quite detailed post-baking instructions required (laughs) that you don't normally get in a standard cake recipe and let's run through them because they they I think there was a method to the madness here or madness to the method we should say uh and that kind of paid off so the recipe says you know, once you bake it, you take it out of the oven, you need to sprinkle that sherry onto the hot cake. And obviously the alcohol, a little bit of extra alcohol or a lot extra in your case, Helen, soaks right in because the cake's nice and warm and maybe just adds a little bit another layer of flavour to the cake. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But then it says you need to wrap it in paper so it cools slowly. And I thought, yep. oh, my, this is interesting. So I didn't take it out of the tin Because normally the first thing you're supposed to do is take a cake out of the tin because it can get the sweats. It can get very moist and it doesn't dry evenly. This is the total opposite. It says keep it in the tin and wrap it in paper so the thing is not cooling down quickly Mm. and obviously retains lots of moisture. Yeah. So I did that and then it says once it's cool you need to wrap it in plastic film and put it in the fridge for a couple of days or at least keep it on the bench. I put it in the fridge. You you can't actually eat it for two straight days. (laughs) It's a
1: plan ahead cake, isn't (laughs) it, really? (laughs) It's a real basic cake, but you've got to plan it ahead because you've got to give it the two days for that sherry to really soak into the cake after it's cooked.
0: Yeah, patience. Patience Patience, is required for this. This is not a cake to make if you're salivating and hungry for that (laughs) hot slice straight out of the oven. Ain't no way that's going to work here. No, that's so true. Yeah, and I guess what I was thinking, why? So I've gone through this whole thing of cooling the cake down slowly. Then you've got to get out your cling film, wrap the thing up, bung it in the fridge, and then with, you know, 48 hours later, you can enjoy. But it really does make a giant difference because the cake was super moist and flavorful and I guess why not why not do it but I've never never seen a cake recipe ask you to do that no I've seen
1: um I know that when I make my Christmas cakes you, you are doing multiple layers of paper around that that cake but you're right as soon as it cools down slightly you then want to take that cake out of the tin so it doesn't sweat in the tin and you want to air cool it out on a cake rack. Yeah, I must admit I'd never uh, wrapped it in paper uh, in the tin before, but that was an interesting one. Ironically, I, I know we mentioned at the top of the uh, episode that um, this is a great cake to make um, as the weather's getting cooler and now that we're into autumn, but ironically uh, the day I Made the cake was the hottest March day in the state in like twenty years. It was stinking hot, and I really didn't want the thought of the oven on for three hours. Thankfully, it didn't take that three hours. Wrapping it in paper really slowed the cooling process for me. It took all night to, to cool down. It was only the next morning that I was able to actually get it out of the pan and then um, and then wrap it in cling film. I didn't put mine in the fridge mainly because there's never any room in my fridge it's always chockers so I just had it wrapped up tightly in in clean wrap and sitting on the bench for the next couple of days and it still tastes fantastic
0: taste wise absolutely on point there delicious really light but beautifully well-rounded fruity taste and Perfect with a cup of tea or coffee. Mine went like hotcakes, so to speak, at work. Very popular, and I just loved making it. It was probably one of the best cakes I've made in a really long time.
1: Oh, I'm so glad that you had a great experience with it. I did too. It was fabulous. I've had it a few ways now. I've had it heated up, I've had it cool i've also had it uh in the microwave for a couple of seconds with a couple of scoops of ice cream on top of it very yummy very much like a steam pudding this is a great cake to make and it's um i know a lot of people don't like fruiting cakes but this one most people like sultanas so you really can't go wrong sultanas and cherries you really can't go wrong i really liked it it was a great recipe to have
0: well that's it for this week and thanks for your company. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Pam.
1: It's always wonderful when we get together and do these cookings. I love our episodes.
0: Our theme music is by Josh Woodward. Find the recipe and our pictures at Instagram. Our handle is cooking our books number one. Bye for now. Bye everyone.